This is the morning brief from the Economic Times, produced in collaboration with Avas.com. देखो हमारे जो किसान हैं वो ये इतना डिसिप्लिन है इतना फौज में भी नहीं हूँ आप देख रहे हो चार महीने से लड़ाई चल रही है हमारे किसान ने किसी ने एक जो है अपने तरफ से डंडा भी नहीं चलाया Since Friday, capital city New Delhi is under siege as farmers from bordering Punjab and Haryana have begun their protest against the new farm bills that they claim is pro-corporate. There has been no breakthrough as yet as both the center and the farmers have toughened their stand. The police have already resorted to lati charge and tear gas against the agitators that needless to add has made matters worse. But what's the furor all about? Is it just politics or there are some genuine grievances that need to be heard? And more importantly, why now? These are some of the questions that I'm really keen to get a sense of in this podcast. From the Economic Times, this is Arijit Barman, and you're listening to the Morning Brief. To help me navigate, I've invited two very special guests. Joining us from his farm in Abohar, Punjab, is Ajay Veer Jhakar, Chairman, Bharat Krishak Samaj. Ajay is also a proud farmer himself and a senior columnist and thought leader. Joining him. Himanshu Watts, my senior colleague from the ET, who has been following the ins and outs of the story for months now. Thank you both for taking time out and joining us. Thanks, Ajit. Ajay, first things first. Why is the protest happening now? I mean, were the farmers actually waiting for Punjab to pass their own bills? Because even that happened end October. uh and a month has lapsed and the president actually ratified the three farm reform bills a month prior so i'm not really understanding this time lag uh thank you for this opportunity first of all i want to correct you by telling you that the farmers at the gates of delhi are not just from punjab and haryana they are from uttar pradesh they are from madhya pradesh they are from rajasthan and they also coming from other states of india so it's not a punjab centric agitation of course punjab farmers are at the heart of the agitation regarding the timing of the agitation it's important to understand that farmers waited for the central government ministers to meet them the farmers waited for central government to respond to the anguish to their queries and to their apprehensions not hearing from the central government as they would have hoped they are here at the center trying to make the central government listen to them right so this is interesting because at least sitting in in mumbai or in other parts of uh, the country there's this notion that it's predominantly a punjab haryana agitation so what but what you are saying is other states are actually joining and it's becoming a national issue yes the media is in a habit of of directing narrat- narratives away from the truth and it has been the narrative of the print media and more specifically the tv channels to make it appear to be a state problem of punjab which it is not the second narrative that is coming out is that this farmer agitation is being led by middlemen the third new 
narrative that is being built up is that this agitation has Khalistani elements in it. The other, the other narrative that's being built out is that it's a politically motivated agitation. As a farmer, associated with farmer organizations and with other agitating farmers, I can plainly put it on record to say that that also, all is not true. It's all false. It's a farmer's agitation led by farmer unions and farmer union leaders, political parties and elements from across the border and all these stupid narrations that the media, especially the TV channels are bringing out, I think so, are very bad. And they seem to be supported by central government or directed by central government to give farmers a bad name. Ajay, I mean, I know media is always um, the, the whipping boy, which is why we want to clear the air. That's why we invited you. I mean, it's great that you've participated. But I have a question for Himanshu, and which is a very, very basic question, which is, I thought agriculture is a state issue. Uh, then shouldn't the states uh, ought to have led this? Why is the center uh, actually, you know, uh, going ahead with these reforms, compounding the whole, um, you know, whole matter? In fact, the center too, I mean, uh, the, the, the BJP-led government has lost its oldest ally in the process with the Akalis walking out of the NDA. See, center always has a role in agriculture. You do have a central agriculture ministry. Plus, these reforms also look at uh, trade in agricultural products, giving the farmer the freedom to sell wherever he wants. And therefore, center has a clear, uh, legally speaking, and otherwise also a clear role in this. Uh, many of uh, the center's welfare schemes are directed at farmers. Farmers may like it, may not like it. The leaders may not like it, may like it. But the central role is pretty clear, uh, particularly you know, when it comes to interstate movements of goods, any good. Uh, the center very easily comes in. Uh, and, uh, you know, with uh, due respects to Mr. Jhakar, uh, you know, there, there could be agitations, agitated farmers from other states, but uh, I think it is much more uh, in Punjab than outside. I think Punjab farmers are, you know, the more, more pampered and more prosperous lots than the rest of the country. They're also perhaps the most hardworking and they do a lot for production, productivity and various things. Before we go continue, I just want to break it down, uh, you know, and, and, and look at the issue. So at the heart of all this uh, are three controversial bills that have now become law. They are Farmers Produce uh, Trade and Commerce Promotion and F F Facilitation Act. The second one's Farmers Empowerment and Protection Agreement on Price Assurance and Farm Services Act. And the third one, Essential Commodities Amendment Act. So on, so what does all this together lead to? On the face of it, the way I've seen it, or however I've understood, and I would like both of you to come in on that, is that growers or, or farmers now have, uh, don't have to bring all the harvest to the Monday. They can sell it at the farm gates, at the factory, the warehouse, the silos, and cold storages. The market yard, which is the Monday, that remains but can't charge any fee on transactions outside its physical space. Trades can also take place online. This is especially uh, probably more important at a time when e-commerce is actually revolutionizing the way we live, eat, shop. Farmers can also enter long-term fixed price contracts with corporate buyers. The government, and they do have a role, will curb only excessive price increases rather than impose caps on incremental jitters. 
free markets are supposed to be the rule. So that means theoretically, bigger investments in technology, supply chain, cold storage, logistics, e-commerce, uh, you know, and, and, and the e-commerce players finally adapting the farm to fork model. Ajay, isn't that great news for farmers who don't really have to, uh, you know, A, depend on intermediaries and on the other hand, see exponential jump on incomes because farm incomes haven't really grown compared to other sectors. I don't want to have an argument at the moment of when a panelist calls Punjab farmers pampered. I mean, that's not the focus of this conversation today. Farmers have always been free to sell their produce in the country, outside the state, anywhere within India's boundaries in perpetuity. I think even in the time of the Mughal Empire, the British Empire, that authority and that right was available to farmers to sell the produce anywhere. This is a myth that's being propagated again and again by the government. The second is to say that middlemen will be removed and farmers will be able to sell directly to consumers. Now, on the first part, this new laws allow a trader to go and buy from the farmer at his field. That is the new law. It gives freedom to the trader to buy where he wants to buy. Farmer could have sold his produce on his field or in the mandi anywhere in any state. On the second part, that middlemen will be finished. Let me put it on record to say that middlemen can never be finished. They are here to stay in perpetuity. We need aggregators. It's not possible for one acre, half acre, two acre, small farmers, marginal farmers, or even maybe large farmers to sell their produce where they want to sell. They do not have the wherewithal to take the produce anywhere. They will need markets to get their produce. And allowing free trade does not increase competition. A disaggregated trading marketplace is actually allows, allows for killing of competition. There, there are various things we can talk about, but these are the two great myths which have been used to push and justify these acts, and both of them are wrong. But Himanshu, if I argue that corporate groups, uh, and if people are talking about this is the bold reform which will lead to corporatization of agriculture, much needed, uh, you know. But corporate groups, too, may not be always serving the best interest in, of the farmers in the long run. So how does one ensure that, you know, one set of grouping or cartel, whatever you call it, do not replace another set? More importantly, how does the government assure, you know, base prices uh, remain once the mandi system disintegrates see let me begin with your last point once the mandi system disintegrates uh, you know i do not see that disintegrating you know the entire official procurement is done via mandis the only thing the new laws are doing is they're giving farmers a choice now if now if all the farmers in a state or wherever they don't like the choice they have the complete freedom uh, legally personally, in every way, to keep going to the mandis. I think the government has given an assurance that uh, mandis will continue. Coming to your next point about uh, malpractices by corporates, uh, well, that has to be discouraged. Uh, and, you know, a lot has been written on how the mandi system came up uh, because they were malpractices by institutional buyers. Uh, but my point is, today, it's a very, very different day. Uh, farmers is not like the farmer of the 50s and 60s when you were completely exploited, nobody cared about you. Uh, there was complete distress. 
Today, we are in an age where every political party is talking about farmers. Uh, this agitation may or may not be, have political links, but farmers today are one of the most important uh, uh, political constituencies for every political party. I think the whole country is sensitive to the requirement of the farmers. Uh, of course, farmers need to be involved, and if they feel uh, there is an issue, uh, it has to be addressed. Uh, today is an age of... Uh, you know, a lot more openness. There is social media. Farmers are active. They are vocal. They are heard. They are on Twitter. Uh, you know, so it, I, I don't think it is so easy for a corporate to just go and exploit them, particularly when there is a Mandi system functioning. Uh, I think there's nothing wrong in breaking the monopoly of a Mandi. So I think these set of laws uh, do give a huge opportunity for a crop diversification. Punjab is not doing very well in that. I think uh, state like Bihar does much more in horticulture and various things. And Madhya Pradesh has oil seed, various things. They could be climatic and other reasons. But I think these set of laws uh, give a fillip to development of food processing and other industries where India can do well and can be a path to prosperity. But I would request you to seek uh, Mr. Jhaka's opinion on that because he's on the ground and he's a farm leader and he knows the situation. The worry is, you know, the key tenet uh, of being free is also to be fair. Now, Ajay, you, you raised a very important point that, you know, um, small farmers, marginal farmers, they do not have the clout to take on larger interests. Let me come to this point of markets, of Mondays not finishing off. Uh, what is a Monday? Monday is a physical marketplace where traders come and trade. If traders now allowed to buy from farmers directly from their farms start doing that, then Mondays will automatically whittle away and, and die. It's not that governments will allow Mondays to operate. Mondays operate because there is a mandatory uh, marketplace where traders will come and trade. And that's what builds competition. So Mondays are, will stay, but they will not have traders. And if there are no traders, then who will farmers sell to? And fragmented markets that will come about with traders buying from farmers' field also means monopolistic markets. It also means there will be no price discovery mechanism. It also means with these laws that the states have no powers to redress grievances of farmers. They have no authority on these trades that's happening. And being a border state, we, we do not have markets that we can access to. We are an agrarian state. We have difficulty in in let's say diversification you know there are many issues why punjab is not allowed to diversify so being a landlocked state with with adverse borders on our side we suffer because of that initially there used to be freight compensation available which has also been taken away in the last seven years so things have added to the mess i'm not saying uh uh, there are other issues but these are some of the issues that have added to the problem that industry has not come to punjab but ajay here if i just butt in you talk about uh, your fears that you know without with uh, you know without proper uh, uh, usage the the, the mandis or the apmcs will whittle away but currently if you look at data only 6% of farmers actually sell their produce in the apmc yards and uh, the remaining 94% sell outside the apmc um, so uh, there are no apmcs in kerala uh, in many northeastern states, Bihar repealed the APMC Act. Let me just butt in here and, and say that, yes, if you look at all India situation, Mondays don't exist. And that is precisely the reason why farmers of Punjab, Haryana, maybe Western UP and some parts of Rajasthan are more agitated. 
they are more on the streets because they have gained the fruits of mandi infrastructure while others other state like you mentioned in bihar and other places have not had the benefit of having mandi so they don't understand what they're losing out and for Correct. the to justify that only 6% farmers sell in apmc mandis is not a justification for destroying mandis it should be the justification for making more mandis accessible that's that's what should have happened but you you have flipped the argument and the very argument that only 6% farmers sell in mandis is the argument that the government cannot abdicate its responsibilities and say that we've not been able to do it for 20 years now corporate houses will come and do it so why can't both exist no no i i i would love for corporate houses to come and i'm invest i'm not against private mandis at all all i'm saying is that the state government must have regulation over mandis over trade that's happening the these acts do not allow Uh, do not say that i mean states were not saying don't have private mandis we all understand that there were problems with the apmc act we all understand there were problems with the mandis how they were being operated by a class of people who were politically supported but rather than change that improve that we have killed the whole idea that's not a justification it's like you get hurt on your arm rather than you know go and get stitches you ampute the arm that's what the government has done and i'll give you an example of how these acts are anti farmer and pro corporate in a way that hurts india's growth story and farmers livelihood now under the contract farming act now a a a large company let's say sitting is sitting in bombay can come and do a contract with a farmer anywhere in the country not no problem i don't have a problem with that now the problem is that one of the problems with the act is that now that company in bombay doesn't need to contract with the farmer directly the company can use a front to contract with the farmer and lest there be if there is a problem in the future with fulfilling that contract the farmer does not have the right to sue the company in bombay it can only sue the front man it's like a shield that the corporates cannot be uh, they 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 they're not responsible for their own actions and farmers have no no re- redressal mechanism to get after the company itself this is just one of the examples i'm saying So, so Ajay, if that is the case, uh, shouldn't the farmers be demanding that uh, contract should be directly with the company and not with the front person, rather than saying just get rid of the entire? But who's listening? The government is not listening. When when these ordinances came out, I was in touch with the Ministry of Agriculture. I was in touch with Niti Aayog. I was in touch with all of them. They did not listen. They did not. They did not consult when these ordinances came out with even one state government. They did not consult with one farmer organization. the consultations they had after because i was a part of what happened afterwards they did not consult they kept telling the farmer organizations they kept telling the states and explaining what they had done they were not listening they are not listening and that's why farmers are on the streets today it's it's the process that was missing himanshu here maybe ajay has a point in the sense that don't you think it could have been probably handled better through dialogue consultation there is this feeling that no one's listening and you know you you everyone's playing hardball look look arijit these are two different issues uh, uh, if nobody is listening it is not good uh, you know uh, farmers are you know central to india in a political economic every sense and we should not have a situation where they feel completely left out and uh, you know nobody is listening but uh, you know uh, ajay said nobody is listening and res- <coughs> responding to what i said that you know if you uh, what about the merit of the argument that fine if you are worried that uh, uh, you know a corporate will put up a front man 
shouldn't the farm leaders uh, be demanding and telling the farmers, okay, let's demand that if a company wants to have a dealing, please come to us directly. What about the merits of that? Sorry for butting in, but let me let me say, yes, this this is just one of the things. We have maybe 20, 30 different issues with these acts. If if Who do we talk to? Who do we listen to? The government is saying the acts are very good. Come and talk to us. Even yesterday, the prime minister went on, on, on radio, I think, and he said the mm-hmm. acts are benefiting farmers. Yeah. And that's why farmers are on streets. You have to understand there's an emotional uh, component to any, any political debate. And you have to consider that. There is no bad no, listening. There is, no, that's, that's, that's a point taken. I, I was merely saying that, uh, you know, instead of saying this completely, get rid of this act in entirety, in totality, perhaps that is not, a, uh, that is more an emotional line. No, no, no. Let me, let me come back here. The, if, has the government ever said that we are ready to alter the acts? Has the government ever agreed or even verbally said that these acts can be looked at again? No. The, not one statement from anyone in the government has come that they are ready to relook at the acts. Not a single statement. So how who do who do we go to? So therefore, remove them in entirety. That's no, 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 no. That's not the question. You hmm. why those demands of what changes are required in the acts were given to the government by emails and by posts and and other issues. But there is no hearing at the end. Okay, but but the prime minister has also assured that when it comes to MSPs that uh, it will continue. But it seems that nobody is buying that. We've also seen a 2.6% hike in wheat already. So aren't the farmers also being inflexible? Aren't the farmers also... No, the Prime Minister is saying that MSP will continue. Farmers don't trust the government anymore. Farmers are saying, please say, quote, MSP will continue as before, unquote. There's a big difference between the two things. They should give a proper proposal to the farmers. They should have... I mean, they're not even talking to tell you the truth. They're not even talking. They're only explaining their point of view. How does one enshrine MSP or pricing into law? So look at it. You know, farmers were not demanding this. In 2011, the the Prime Minister was the Chief Minister of Gujarat. He was the Honorable Chief Minister of Gujarat. And there was a working group on consumer affairs. And in 2011, it submitted a report. And I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote you from the report. It very clearly says, we should protect farmer interests by mandating through statutory provisions that no farmer trader transaction should be below minimum support price wherever prescribed. So it's not something that's come out of the blue because farmers have said it. It's something that our Honorable Prime Minister said it when he was the Honorable Chief Minister of Gujarat in 2011. And, and this... This demand of farmers comes from the fact that of the of the all 24-25 crops for which MSP is declared, it is only only two crops are being procured at MSP, and that also in a in a very small geographical area of the country. And because farmers do not trust the government to, and and this is nothing to do with this government. This was also earlier. This was also with the Congress government. So I'm not saying this is something that's only got to do with the BJP government. This is something that was also with the Congress government. They announced minimum support prices, but procurements don't take place. And that's why farmers are demanding that should you declare a minimum support price, which you are doing and you're supposed to do it, then at least do the procurement because you've not been doing it. You've been lying to us for the last 20 years. We want a mandatory provision and we are incentivized because the prime minister himself said it. Okay. Himanshu, you want to come in on that? As far as, uh, you know, a minimum price that should be paid, uh, I, I think uh, that is a doable kind of a thing. Uh, they, wow. Yeah, Thank you so a, much for that. 
ऑर्गेनाइजेशन्स are taking a lot of produce directly to big cities particularly mumbai and they are making better income out of that and a related thing i'll tell you early in my career that's uh, you know sometime in the 90s that time also is when i was covering agriculture and i had gone to cover various mandis and one bureaucrat in chandigarh from the punjab government told me that please write on this that we had started a scheme called apni mandi where farmers will come directly they had given them some area in chandigarh with come and sell he's saying the first one did well for the next three the traders of the mandis they put up thelas carts outside that area the apni mandi and started selling at a huge loss at one third of the price that farmers were selling and this was destroyed and the farmers went back and they never came again because they suffered losses so is this aspect of traders uh, you know actually exploiting farmers and this is anecdotal uh, as i said long back this is what a bureaucrat in punjab told me that and the fact that farmer producer organization particularly in maharashtra have started doing lots of good things is there something to learn for the punjab farmers from these two things yes i definitely think i think the agriculture crisis is a crisis of governance and and i'm talking about all states in the country we acts have existed but we have not enforced the regulations we've not enforced those acts as they should have been as they should have been uh, enforced and that's why mandis were not operating and yes we need to learn from the success stories of farmer producer organizations in maharashtra but having said that those can coexist with mandis those could have existed even without these acts coming in in the essential commodities act we allow for a uh, lots of uh, uh, for for traders to be able to buy farmers produce and store it fine that's one part of it but the interesting part is we told the government that make it mandatory for warehouses which have agriculture produce to report those sales to the central government every day and the central government listening to corporate houses listening to fiki cii phd chamber of commerce listening to these industrialists did not put in those provisions because the corporate houses don't want to be regulated they don't want to tell the government what they're doing they don't they don't want to give information while data of farmers and information the government is planning to sell to corporate houses now for example the onion prices came up the prices went up and the government uh, imposed an export ban recently and things like that if the government is unable to collect data on production and storages in the country how can it make informed choices on when to allow imports when to allow exports when when to make decisions on duty structures when to when how can they forecast how prices will react if they don't get information so listening to corporate houses they have even you know they, they've just walked rough shot over everything there's so many provisions in the acts which are against india which are against farmers and they're only for the corporate houses because the government thinks that corporate houses will deliver them farmer prosperity which they have been unable to do over the last 20 30 years no ajay there's no doubt that every i mean corporates should also have to be accountable the last thing i wanted to also ask you is um you know you, you talked about punjab and the challenges that punjab faced uh, but other states we have seen 
because, you know, you can argue because of inefficient systems, subsidies, etc. It has led to large scale suboptimal choices like a water guzzling crop like uh, sugarcane. Uh, you grow it in the driest districts of Maharashtra, in parts of Rajasthan, which just bleeds the aquifers dry. I mean, the wastage in FCI, another issue, it's criminal. I mean, there has been suboptimal choices that has been made, perhaps perpetrated by an inefficient system, which has been prevalent in the last 40, 50 years. I, I agree with you. Uh, farmers grow crops because the markets demand them, or farmers grow crops because government policy incentivizes them to do a particular act. This has nothing to do with markets. Markets are like creating a Monday or something will not change those, those incentives. The government is going to give incentives which, which allow for unsustainable practices to happen. Farmers will follow them because, because they're getting the cue from government policies or from consumption habits. So yes, the government needs to look at it and, and make informed choices. The broader point is that uh, you know this whole uh, uh, crying wolf that farmers will be wiped out, they'll be finished. I have much more faith in the farmers than uh, you know that uh, a government will continue with a certain set of rules and regulations or laws which are wiping out farmers. I think uh, people should give milestones that, look, if this happens, uh, we will make certain changes. As far as the clout of farmers in getting things done when things are bad, I think uh, they have done pretty well. You look at the lockdowns and the post-COVID era, the only sector where government reached out most and continued and improved upon the pre-COVID level was MSP and procurement. Uh, you know, the corporate sector is crying, the middle class is crying, many of them have lost jobs, they've lost salaries, salary cuts, but it is, farmers is one sector where the government went out of its way to ensure procurement continues, COVID restrictions, lockdown restrictions are eased in villages. So, <clears throat> you know, given all that, uh, I am not going to easily buy this argument that this poor farmer will get wiped out by these corporate people. I think farmers collectively have become much stronger. But, uh, you know, uh, farmer is one voice which the government is hearing. I'll use that opportunity to say that in the COVID clampdown, you said MSP was given. MSP was increased by 2.9%, while the projected increase of uh, uh, the cost for, uh, for production increased by 5.1%. Uh, and similarly, cost of uh, diesel increase substantially while international prices went down. And, and that's point upon point I can argue on this to tell you that it is the farmers which have delivered, not the government helping farmers to deliver. Government, farmers could not sell their fruits and vegetables. You're only looking at off data of the cereals coming to the market of the non-perishables. But more than 50% of the market is perishable commodities, fruits and vegetables. All those farmers suffered. All those farmers suffered, and we did we did not uh, we did not have huge inflation. And in spite of, uh, a, in fact, you had a deflation, and there was no buyers for farmers' produce. So I think there's a, there, there are a lot of arguments here. We could go on and on. Correct. We can go on and on, but net net, the anti-competitive market in agriculture needed reforms. Now the challenge is making sure a worse system doesn't replace it. As I said key tenet of being free is also to be fair. Even with all the risks involved, perhaps the new farm-to-fork model is possibly worth the risk as boosting agricultural productivity is as important for poor economies like India. With the pandemic hollowing out urban production centers, the rural economy has really become more crucial. But then again, in a democracy, 
it can only work through dialogue thank you ajay and uh, thank you himanshu for taking time out we really run out of time so we've got to end um hope you guys enjoyed it thanks arijit thank you everyone this podcast was edited by indulekha aravin and coordinated by anjali venugopalan the morning brief appears every tuesday thursdays and friday you can write to us with your views feedback and even brickbats on the morning brief at timesgroup.com thanks for listening in this is arijit barman signing off goodbye and good luck avaaz.com <laughs>